Welcome to the Heart of Healing, the Good News episodes. I'm your host, Tom Fold. In these episodes, we'll speak with people who are helpers, who are positive, compassionate, and who bring a bit of good news into our lives in these stressful times. Listen with an open heart to those who are offering their hearts and talents to all of us. It is our wish that each of these episodes will bring a smile to your face and hope to your heart. And to help me do that today, I have a special guest, Farisha Frishta, uh, Frishta Ramsey. That's a, I have a little trouble with the first name. It's, it's un, unusual for me, because I know you come from Afghanistan. Yeah, you got it though, Farishta, you got it. I'm not that I'm not that adverse, but I'm happy to have you here. And I think what I'd like to ask you to, to begin our, our conversation is what does a, a coach like a transformational coach do to help people transform? But also I'm interested in how did you transform into a transformational coach? It seems <laughs> really like a, a, a puzzle, but uh, I, I don't know how someone gets to be that. So tell me, let's. What can you tell me about that? Uh, I appreciate your question. I think to, to answer the first one, I can start with the second one, which is that my own story began with coaching. When I was 23, I was able to find great support um, in a mentor named Debbie Ford, who does shadow work and transformational coaching. And at that time in my life, I was living out of a lot of strategies that I had built up over who I really was. Uh, and we were able to, through the work, dismantle all the strategies. And by that, I mean things like people pleasing, not speaking needs, not setting boundaries, all the ways in which uh, I, I felt like I needed to be polite. Not expressing who you were. Exactly, exactly. So in sort of taking away the strategies, which is also what I do with people, we get to unearth the real person, the real you. And in that way, you get to walk this world with an authentic expression of who you are, which I think is where all the magic of life comes from. Right, now you, you used the word shadow work. What is that? <laughs> shadow work is a really gentle yet powerful way to own the parts of ourselves that we've disowned. So in terms of Carl Jung's work with the shadow, it's about everything we've kind of tucked away, everything we've, we've hidden from ourselves, hidden from others, again, not being an authentic, full human, right? So- What, what, what might that look like? I mean, can, I'm sure there are yeah. plenty of examples, but can they come to mind as what yeah. kind of shadow- yeah, so, so let's say someone grew up with a really like kind of angry parent, right? right. And that young person said, I'm never going to be angry like that. Right. So they, they tuck away anger. They, they bury it. They maybe become a doormat, a people pleaser, a yes person. And at a certain point in their lives, when they need to access anger, right, to set a boundary, to say no, to uh, let someone know that they feel betrayed, they don't have access to it. So the work of shadow work is to say, where is this thing that you've judged? Where could it actually serve you? How could you? And how, would you how would you show me that anger could serve me, for instance? Mm, well, I think sometimes our righteous anger can lead to moral courage, can lead to us making changes in our lives, on the planet, in our relationships. 
So it can serve as like a check engine light uh, to let you know something's not working. Right. And maybe to have you stand up for yourself. Is that what? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean the emotion of anger versus like the expression of hostility, right? So the place in you that goes, that's a real no for me. Now I've got to speak up. Right. Mm -hmm. And it, what I'm trying to get at, and I, I know what I'm thinking, but how do I express it? Now there's my need to be able to express something. <laughs> when one talks about anger, one thinks about someone who's very angry and frightening to people, as opposed to someone saying, look, this is what I need. I need you to stop doing X and not do that anymore, which is, I think, a very different way of expressing feelings. Sure. Yeah, it's, it's, it's allowing yourself to harness the anger in a responsible healthy way that has you speak up for yourself, which is very different than like exactly what we often think of as one-sided anger, which is it just comes out and it's destructive, right? I love that. I love that one-sided anger. That makes to total sense. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine that most of that, if not all, comes from fear. Correct. Yeah. We often want to control when we're scared. So that can look like a very strong response, but it's often coming from a place that's fearful and hurt. Absolutely. Yeah. And when you work with people, is it all verbal work or what, are, what is your work like? It's a, a mix of what I would consider um, somatics, which is like, how is someone doing in their body, getting them to start tracking themselves? Where's the anger? Where's the anxiety? where does something live inside of them? Because often if we can connect to our bodies, that, that is going to be a healthy way to understand ourselves. Well, you're, yeah. it sounds to me what you're mentioning or you're not saying is the word intuition. Because if you say to me, where does the anger reside or the whatever reside, uh -huh. I have to, there's no way I can go, I know it's here. I don't have a picture of it like in my gut or something, but I might intuit that it's in my gut. A hundred percent. Yeah, there's a level of like self-knowing and intuition that comes through, which is I am experiencing it in my practice as a lot better than trying to think through it. Right. right? A lot of us try to strategize or do everything kind of neck up because it's safe. But when we can drop into our bodies, when we can drop into our intuition and our own knowing, that's where the self-trust is built. Well, that, yeah, that's the key here. Well, everything that I'm hearing you talk about is knowing myself, knowing who I am. And, and then the next piece is being all right with that because there, is, uh, there are lots of, of statements given by the universe. You should not express your anger or express how good you are or not tell people you do good things. Yeah, this is why I'm so passionate about shadow work in particular is you know, Carl Jung's uh, best, the quote that I love is he's like, I'd rather be whole than good, right? I'd rather have the full spectrum of my humanity and feel the totality of all those emotions than put myself in a box that is kind of a prison. Yeah, just being good. That's the question of, let's define, how do we define being good? It sounds, there are many sides to that. I mean, right. Possibly doing something that is good is, is easy, easy enough to look at, but being good is a much tougher thing to define. I think when we can really trust in our intrinsic goodness, that who we are at the 
before is already whole and resilient and resourceful, we can take on like, hey, today I need to set a boundary with this person and they might not like it, but you know what? It's to protect the relationship, right? Well, yeah, uh, something came up that I was thinking about. There's a, a line I've heard from people in 12-step programs, and maybe it's everywhere, so I don't want to just say it that, is when you stop people pleasing, people are no longer pleased. Correct. Yeah, those who have been taking advantage of that, right, if it's been advantageous for them, they're not going to be so happy when you change your role. But the importance of the work, especially in transformational coaching, is are you at peace? Are you in your truth? Are you happy with yourself? And that might mean you're the villain in some people's stories. Correct. That's a, that's a possibility. And I think there's also, if you express, this is my experience, if you express who you truly are by saying, I need a boundary here, I need this, or I'm angry because, or, or actually being saying, ouch, you're stepping on my foot. Mm -hmm. uh, that people of most people, and certainly the people I want to be around, will be happy that I told them that, so they Amen. will know not to do that anymore. Yeah, and you know, to add to that, because that's a beautiful point. When you start to speak your truth, you not only become trustworthy to yourself, which is really important, you become trustworthy to others, and that's all about being relational. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, and relations is the biggest challenge we have today is to be everyone. Everything we do is a relationship and to be good at it. Because I might feel from when I talk to people that most of us didn't learn this in childhood. Like say, I learned everything I, I knew in kindergarten, but I don't think I learned about relationships in kindergarten. <laughs> well, it really depends on the models. And I don't think many of us got healthy modeling. And obviously that, that goes back up the lineage, right? But um, I think it's the most important work we could do because it's, whether it's the relationship with yourself, your own self-awareness, whether that's your relationship with others, so that's the interpersonal awareness, the dance over there, or your relationship with your money, with your world, with your business, like nothing is, there's nothing that isn't a relationship. It is true. It's all relationships. During these last two and a half years, when the pandemic has been with us, it still is, but not as heavy, I suppose, right now. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed more issues coming up about this around relationships or around being who you are? Did the pandemic trigger some of this from your clients? For sure. I think um, this has been an involuntary shadow work process <laughs> for many people. Uh, of course, there's an uptick in mental health, and that's a serious reality. And as it relates to couples and relationships, um, people having to spend more time with each other with less distractions certainly has brought to the surface, uh, whether they're a solid team or whether they're not. Um, and I could say that similarly, you know, I think of the service uh, industry, people who were happily doing their jobs or not so happily, but they got this break. And a lot of servers, a lot of service industry people didn't come back because of the toxic culture. So it has almost forced people to look at their happiness, which I think is important, and to also look at their relationships. Because when we're in what kind of felt like a crisis, right, during that time, um, you really want to know who your people are and who you can legitimately count on to show up. 
Absolutely. Well, in that time, we were all forced together so closely. Mm-hmm. and uh, Or, on other cases, separated when you isolated, had... Isolated, right? Isolated, and particularly I was thinking of the workplace, where people were used to working with lots of other people, whether it was on manual labor or whether it was corporate type of work, you know, executive mm-hmm. quite stuff. But there were lots of people around, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of activity, which maybe you could mask any other problems and just get busy. It was a little little more difficult during the pandemic. I think when you are, you know, forced for whatever reason to step away from like a toxic culture, when you're in it, it's a little hard to see. You're almost, we're so adaptive as humans. If there's incremental bad things, we can adjust. But when you step away, let's say three weeks, three months, a year, and then you're asked to come back, I have noticed with my clients a lot of sensitivity to the idea of even tolerating what was before. Do you find with them at this point that they are eventually willing to go back? I say eventually, that there is still a desire to go back, but they don't like certain aspects of it, or is it just that they've made other decisions these days? I think some feel the call of duty, right? Like their work is important to them, they will show up. And for many of them who have noticed that they need a little bit more relational, healthy culture, they're likely gonna go into business for themselves and step away from, unless leaders start making real healthy changes, there will be people making their own way for sure. And that's a big challenge I would imagine, having been in the corporate world myself for many years, it's a big challenge for saying if leaders make a change, they don't want to make a change. They don't, they're happy, or if not happy, they're, they are also stuck in a routine and maybe yeah. not able to be who they want to be, but they'll be, they're not going to change for that. Yeah. And that's why I'm really passionate about leaders doing their healing work and their trauma work and recognizing that the things they haven't digested in their emotional world are likely showing up in how they lead. And most employees are leaving those big companies because of leadership, not because of their jobs. Yes, they're talking a lot about the leadership or the lack of leadership or the abuse of leadership. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit like what's ha- what happened in the movie industry and you know, all the sexual abuse. I don't know if that's true in, in all the corporate leavings, but there's, it's abuse. It's not, not knowing yeah. who this person who's working for you, who are they really and what do they want to do? Right. And do they know themselves and are they trustworthy and are they transparent and are you getting appreciated and valued? All of that matters. I think the millennials are really interesting to me because they're demanding healthier work cultures. They're demanding healthier relationships. Um, And we'll see, right. They're going to be stepping into those managerial roles in the next decade. Right. We'll see that. And also I've noticed something and I've brought some some of it to the show people who are, coaching people to be more uh, considerate in their management and more approachable. And that's a new field almost. Compassion. Yeah, it's a new paradigm. Yes, absolutely. I think the old paradigm was like, I'm at the top of the ladder. You do as I say, I don't have to be transparent. And the new paradigm is, well, the more relational you are, the more you value them, the more they're going to show up. For your business so it's a win-win it can be right so tell me about your clientele i mean are they young old male female or just a mixture um i would say in terms of gender i would say a mixture and my realm seems to be 
somewhere like, it's so funny, it's a wide range, but like 30 to 60, somewhere in the time of, hey, I'm tired of doing it this way. I've tried, right? I've tried it this way. Something, there's gotta be more. Um, so that's often when people come to me, there's somewhere in their lives or multiple places in their lives that they don't feel as free as they could be to be themselves. And I bet, and I bet this pandemic has helped, has brought that way to the surface because maybe we're not going to survive this. What am I doing? Is I, if it's worthwhile, that's what I'm doing worthwhile. Yeah, I think there is real precious information inside a crisis because we start to ask the bigger questions. Am I living? Am I doing what matters to me? Am I, am I loving well? The bigger questions that are often more like end of life, I think for a lot of people have come up in this time of like, this is my one precious life. What am I doing? You know, and if it's not what I love, it, it's a rude awakening, but it's figure outable too. The transition right. can happen. Well, and what's happening today is I gather from with you and from other people. There are lots of helpers out here helping people to see you could possibly do it a different way. You need to look into what you want. And this is not something I heard a lot of 20 years ago. Like, Correct. what is it that you want? It was, how can you be a better employee? Right. Uh, yeah. Nothing. And how can you follow in the footsteps of your parents and, and sort of the status quo of that time, which is reasonable at that time. The value right. was security. The value now, as I see it, at least within millennials, is freedom. Right. And also how, I mean, in, in personal relationships, how can you be a better husband or a better wife, mm -hmm. often sacrificing who you are? Right. We would trade in our authenticity for that connection. And the work, which I just love and excites me, is how do you get to be who you are and feel connected and get your needs met? Have you worked with, with couples at all? Yes. Yeah, I really enjoy working with couples. There's a lot of leverage in having both people in the room. So you're not getting the, he said, she said. Right, yes, there, exactly. Is that what happened? Is that how you remember it, right? Like there's a, there's a great leverage to also teaching them how to communicate with each other in real time. Well, also I discovered when working with, in therapy with my wife, you know, in, in couples, whatever it was called at that moment, was being able to see who she was. I mean, mm. it wasn't just the presenting of, you know, I get angry. It was like having an actual experience of, oh, wow, that's who she is. And the same worked the other way. She could see more of who I am. Absolutely. It's about learning each other. And I'm so touched that you've had that experience because we can miss each other a lot in the day to day. So taking a time to have a container to really get each other. And as you said, like to feel gotten by the person you're with. Right. Tremendous. And, and to find that person like yourself who will be witness to this and will help you know, be, hold a space for it. I would not say lead the way because actually the people doing it have to lead the way, but someone has to hold that space, a safe space. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's being a guide and an ally and also trusting that if the two people are showing up, they're, they're going to do the work, right? And commit to learning. It's an ever unfolding process of learning about the other person who's incredibly different from you. Amazingly, we're not the same person. <laughs> and if we were, that would be a whole other. Disaster. That would be another problem entirely. Yes. <laughs> but I always kid around with my wife and say, it's been 30 years of marriage 
and you still think I'm going to do X? You know? <laughs> she says, well, I keep trying. I keep wanting to believe that that's right. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, they're usually small things, but, you know, uh, right. so it's, it's how we are humans. We want people, I want you to be like me. Why aren't you like me? Until I realize I'm really happy that you're not like me because not all of my traits are great. And where would you grow and learn if, if you didn't have the challenges of those differences? Exactly. Exactly. Right. That's the juice. That is the juice, growing and learning the differences. I mean, one of the issues which is so, I guess for everybody is so of a challenge is pain. I mean, in order to do any of this work at any point, you're going to encounter pain. You're going to encounter things that hurt. You're learning about yourself, learning about your, your partner or your business or whatever, and how to deal with that. Which brings up for me, I know what helps me in all of that, and that is to go beyond the personal, beyond whether it's my wife, my business, my this, to a spiritual connection. Mm -hmm. Are you working with people on that level also? I think it, it comes in naturally, kind of organically. There's obviously the confronting work. You know, I call it the path of the heart warrior because mm -hmm. you, you can't be faint of heart for this work. You're going to be confronted. You're going to be triggered um, and you're going to grow. And so it requires some belief in, you know, whether it's God, whether it's a loving intelligence, whether it's just that you have believe in the goodness of the person across from you, there has to be some anchor that says, we're going to walk this path and I'm going to continue to come back and, um, you know, I, I can't quite verbalize it, but it's a, it's a trust walk and well, whatever whatever helps people walk with trust, I think is welcome. Right, when I think of it is, uh, while it is trusting my partner, it is trusting people I work with, whatever. It is also, most of the time we are not with someone, even though it seems like we're the people all the time, then we stop, whether it's for 10 minutes or the whole day or a week, we are by ourselves. And much as I think we're talking about having a container somebody who will hear and listen to your issues so you can become who you are. I think when we are alone, we need to have that container. That's when I talk about it as being spirit. You want to call it God. You want to call it energy. You want to call it love, just being contained. Yeah. And being witness to yourself in those times, right? Loving witness to what's going on. And yes, if you've got that connection, bring it because it will serve hundred percent. And that connects up to what we were talking about in the beginning is intuition. When we are open to the idea, I believe, of intuition, we're more open to the possibility that we didn't make that up. It came from someplace. Yeah, it was gifted to us and is trustworthy. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and what are you finding with, with the people that you're working with? Are, are they moving in the direction of working on their own or are they finding ways to to go back to the corporate world, I say corporate world, to the organizations that they were in? I think most of the people that I work with are natural leaders and had a were sensitive, let's say, in all the right ways about what wasn't working for them in corporate um, and that their ability to not tolerate that is allowing them to birth new missions and new companies and new visions 
they're really compassionate leaders. Well, to do that, you have to believe in yourself. That's you go, we go back to the beginning again. Uh -huh. <laughs> without a belief of that in yourself that you are yeah. valuable and you should not only valuable to do something, but if you're going to have a group, be valuable to be followed. Yeah. And to trust your experience that if a certain you know, setup like corporate isn't working for you, that there might be a better calling. Yeah, it takes a great deal of self-belief and self-trust. Right. And and that sometimes can be, a, a as, as you're saying, a big self-trust because is this direction now, I've been doing X for 10 years, 15 years, is this direction, which sounds good, you know, is it good or is it Bitcoin? You know? <laughs> I, yeah. I, and that's I, my... I think it's it's the greatest, most sacred trust and honor I get to have as a coach is I'm emotionally invested in that dream. I want that for my clients. I believe it and I can hold that vision for them as they go through believing it and doubting it and believing it and doubting it, right? The whole journey, I can hold like, this is what you said you want. What a wonderful thing. What a wonderful yeah. thing to be able to do. It's an honor to have that so position sacred. of trust. Yeah. Yeah, That's to be on that part of a journey with someone as they're transitioning through um, a part of their lives. Yeah, sacred work for sure. Absolutely. Are you have the privilege of finding out over time how, how it's worked out? Yeah, I do check in. I definitely check in with past clients and, and just appreciate that they're thriving, that they took what they learned in this container. And then they really became, you know, the authors of their lives. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah. So today, if somebody was sort of wondering, how would they approach you? What would they say that they're looking for? Or what would you be help, trying to help them with? Whatever vision they are catching for the next chapter of their lives. Uh, it could be about buying a house. It could be about building a business. It could be about finding a, a healthy relationship or shifting the relationship they have to be healthier. But it's about whatever vision they're catching um, it is the next transformation on their path. And then having someone who believes in them while they build that muscle. That's lovely. That's lovely. Well, now the last question actually is if someone who's listening to us today, if I hear it whenever they're listening, would like to get in touch and learn more or maybe even work with you, what would, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Yeah, I will type this in the chat for you in case you want to put this somewhere, but they can reach me at my website, and that is fittishtaramsey.com. So it's F as in Frank, E-R-E-S-H-T-A, and then it's Ramsey, R-A-M-S-E-Y.com. Very good. That's excellent. I will be heard and also in the, in the written material that goes out with the show, we'll have it. So that's wonderful. Well, I thank you so much. Is there any way that you'd like to close I'm going to close by thanking you, but before we do that, what is your feeling? Of, I, I, that's the question I know that I was looking for. What is your hope? You've been through the two and a half years or whatever. Mm -hmm. What is your hope that this pandemic will have benefits to us? What do you hope for? Wow. Well, Tom, I just appreciate you that you that you bring this kind of hope and and you know light to our world. And uh, yeah, my wish is that people really feel brave enough to make the changes in their life that will make their lives joyful and meaningful in ways that are very specific and unique to them. 
Well, Harisha, that's that, that's lovely. That that brings hope to me, and I hope to our audience too. So, thank you so very much for being with us on this show. Thank you for having me. It's a joy.